up being on some chill shit We go zero to a hundred nigga real quick They be on that rap to pay the bill shit And I don't feel that shit, not even a little bit Oh lord, know yourself, know your work TJ Hawkinson, John Ross, Terry McLaurin Just a bunch of random people in what turned out to be an insane week one of fantasy football. I'm your host, Andrew Scherer. I have no voice. I was at a sports book all day Sunday. I was at the Saints game. I sound like shit. Alongside me, as always, Scott Smith. Scott, I mean, we couldn't have asked for a crazier week one of NFL action. Am I right? Yeah, look, it's been a long time coming, and uh, we couldn't have been more excited for week one. And week one brought a lot of surprises. Uh, I know we hit on a lot of personal predictions and rankings that we had missed on a few there but we'll touch on some of that but look let's go ahead and get into a recap man there's a lot of stuff that uh we need to go ahead and hit on but let's just go ahead and start and, and get the drama out of the way antonio brown the trade finally happened or excuse me the the release happened uh you know he got his wish after the 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 crazy yet professionally done video that he put out and with uh, basically wiretapping Gruden, it, it, I don't even know to this point what the uh, what the legal ramifications of that are in that state. I know here in Louisiana, you only need one person to to know that they're recording a phone call. But look, beyond all that, he gets his release, ends up in a perfect situation with the Patriots, and now the news breaks today that he's being uh, investigated by the NFL for uh, sexual assault and rape allegations. So you, you, you think everything's finally done with Antonio Brown, and we hit on it all offseason. I told you all offseason, if you listen to the show, we gave you our instructions, which were to steer clear of Antonio Brown because you didn't know what was going to happen, and, and look, it's coming to fruition. You know, my thing is, uh, you know, we we both, I mean, I think we were both in the camp of we had him top 10 but if he fell in the right spot, we were taking him, right? Well, look, I, I'm with you. I have zero shares of Antonio Brown, and I couldn't be happier right now. You know, you, you see the move to New England on Saturday, and it really shocked the NFL community. Um, I mean, it was nothing but just Bill Belichick memes and Super Bowl send-offs for the Patriots, right? But now you got these allegations, and, you know, I, I'm shocked because I'm shocked at the fact that I'm shocked at this kind of news, right? Like, A.B., has been a, a TV show for the last few weeks, and now we get this, and it's almost like it's almost like not predictable, but it was predictable. So, I mean, look, I mean, the Patriots just released a statement about 25 minutes ago, um, you know, letting everyone know that they deny these, you know, sexual assault and rape allegations, and they said the NFL is investigating. So, because this is a civil lawsuit, keep in mind, everyone listening, AB could still suit up. So civil lawsuit, he can't get suspended unless the NFL investigates and suspends them themselves. So while I don't think a suspension is imminent, I got a, I got a question for you, Scott. What should people do with Antonio Brown? Because I don't think anyone's going to trade for him. But I'm also in the camp of while the NFL might not suspend him, there's no way the Patriots can let him suit up, right? I think he'll actually end up suiting up. I think, uh, I mean, you saw some of the allegations and things that went on with, with Tyreek Hill, and he hasn't missed any games to this point. So at this point, it's only allegations. Uh, there is a due process that needs to happen, but naturally these allegations need to be taken seriously. But, 
even with a, an Antonio Brown, regardless of the allegations, if he suits up for the Patriots, I would still expect a limited number of snaps. Tom Brady's very precise with the way he functions in that offense. And and Antonio Brown's known a little bit as a freelancer as part of a lot of the he got into it with uh, Ben Roethlisberger on, on occasion. But but look, he still has to to get acclimated with this offense and, and things like that. And and they're not hurting for him. Look, we saw what the Patriots did to the Steelers. They just annihilated them there on, on Sunday night. Josh Gordon looked good. Philip Dorsett was getting loose. And Edelman was doing his thing. So they're not hurting. I think they can ease Antonio Brown in. And and they're, they're not forced. Their hands are not forced by any means to go ahead and, and, and get him in quickly with the news that's going on right here. So I, I would actually be very cautious with them if you are an Antonio Brown owner and, and not just ex- expect him to hit the ground running and put up A-B numbers. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, Scott, while I don't like A-B either, I mean, if he's on the field, right, we have to, we have to expect top 12 numbers, right? I mean, I mean, fact of the matter is, you know, we hate the guy. Uh, maybe hate's a strong word, but we, we dislike the guy and think he's kind of obnoxious. But, I mean... He put up Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, he's one of the best wide receivers we've seen in the last 15 years, and the stats show that. So is it kind of hard to believe that he won't be a top 12 guy when he's healthy and on the field? Once he gets healthy and on the field acclimated, I'd say give it a a three- to four-game process for him uh, to get – to get good with that playbook and get comfortable and get on the same page from a, a timing and route perspective with Tom Brady. But, but look, like I said, they can ease him in. I, I'd say give it three to four games. But in the games that he's actually starting, once he gets on the field, I, I would expect flex numbers out of him. I think he's a, a, a solid flex play in that offense and in that scheme. And, and like I said, once once that third or fourth game hits, then I think you can start moving him up. But we got to jump over this hurdle with the, with the news and, and what's going on with this investigation to to see how this plays out. But once he hits the field, it'll be interesting to see how he works within this New England Patriots offense. Really quickly, my last thing on it, Scott, is what is your opinion on if you are if this is an owner who's listening right now and he wants to move on from A B, should you sell A B uh with the with the known um the known idea that you're not gonna get top twelve value for him? I mean, should you actively try to move on from Antonio Bryant? Hey, I I was in a camp of not drafting him at all unless he really slipped about a round and a half or or two past where his ADP was. So I I think at this point, you're almost you're almost in a a sunk cost situation where you you either just hold on to him and hope for the best because he's in that, that Patriots offense and in that system. But at this point, I'd be more comfortable with the safe play if you could get you know, a, a decent return. What if someone, got someone, someone looks at the snap counts in Minnesota, we'll talk about it later. Someone offers you Stefan Diggs for Antonio, Antonio Brown. Do you take that? I'm pulling the trigger in a heartbeat. There you go. I just want to get that out there. I think it's good to let these people know kind of comparing something because look, I mean, we're, I know we're in dynasty, but a lot of people might be in redraft and look, someone might think they have a really good team and they want to pull the trigger and sell a digs for Antonio Brown. So, that's good to let people know. I think we have digs around receiver number 14. So let's jump over to our our, our second news item of the day. Maybe the, the coolest thing from the weekend is public service announcement. Screw you, Lamar Jackson haters. I love Lamar. Scott, you kind of hated on him before, and I think you'll eat, you'll eat your words and you'll admit it. So that's okay. But Lamar looked awesome. It was the Dolphins. So that's kind of the grain of salt here, the real grain of salt. But 
look, regardless, he looks really good throwing the football. It was something that we saw him last year at times throw the ball well, but we also saw him look like dog shit. I know that. But look, Lamar shut some people up. I mean, five touchdowns, a great fantasy performance. I had him as quarterback five this week. You had him as QB seven. I think we expected him to do a lot of groundwork, but he did it all through the air. So, Scott, what do you got to say, man? I mean, did, did Lamar impress you? Look, I, I think we have to pump the brakes on Lamar a, a little bit. All right. I, <laughs> hey, I, I had him as a QB7. He outperformed that. Uh, he actually made me some money this week because uh, I, the over or under on, on his rushing yards was at 70 and a half. And I just thought there was no way that Miami was going to be able to pressure enough to force him to run. But look, I, I can admit wholeheartedly during the, the whole process uh, of coming up with uh, Lamar Jackson, like in a draft process, him going to Baltimore, I just didn't think he was going to be able to develop enough from a passing standpoint to do what we saw him do this week. You know, I, I cooled on that a little bit during the offseason. I, I definitely thought he was going to have some upside as a Konami code and be able to sit there and get you to rushing yards. But what he did, the way he diced up that Miami team, and hey, I feel sorry for Dolphins fans to have to put up with that all season. That's a team that has already quit you know, from, from game one. So the reason I say pump the brakes is because of how bad that Miami team's going to be. I, I wouldn't expect Lamar to have a games like this for the rest of the season. I think he'll have some 300 yard, three touchdown games, but to put up a game like this, I, I think he's getting his best one out of the way first game of the season. So I, I know, you, you know, I had him as QB 16, you had him as QB 21, but even knowing that, I mean, we both still hyped him up because, you know, we, we mentioned the fact that, quarterback is a loaded position this year so I know it was the Dolphins but I mean if you're if you're a Lamar Jackson owner I mean we have to we have to expect him to put up top 12 numbers this week against Arizona right oh absolutely I mean you saw Matt Stafford dice up uh Arizona this week so he you know he's one of the guys who we kind of featured as one of our smash plays that sit, sitting there at quarterback especially for a streaming option I thought he was well and I think that's going to continue over for Lamar this week at, especially with the way they they ran the ball and look they did what they want Mark Andrews was, was hitting he went over 100 yards and, and got a score it was so bad that RG3 went six for six with a touchdown so <laughs> I, I, I mean I, I think you have to just ride the hot hand uh, i think you can expect some more russian work this this week out of out of lamar but hey he everything we talked about and we kind of hit on a little bit when we when we started talking about kyler and this will be a perfect matchup game but kyler murray was getting all of the hype and, and you asked the question and posed it you know what has kyler murray done that we don't think lamar lamar jackson can do and to this point at all it just looks like lamar jackson's much more advanced so far Lamar could be the the guy we expected Kyler to be. I you know I did point that out and we all kind of agreed to it. So it was a good call by us. And now on to another good call by us, Darren Waller. That was my smash play of the week at tight end. He led Oakland in targets. He looked good. We know he was a project um, a, a few years back and he's been in the league for a while. But look, he was one of the standouts at Raiders camp all offseason and really offseason really. Outside of Chris Godwin and Curtis Samuel, I think the hype train really picked up for Darren Waller throughout the whole NFL. So he proved himself. No A-B now, so there's a pathway to targets. I mean, you got to be excited with what we saw out of Waller, right? Especially in, against the Broncos team who, I mean, they're, they're still not lacking on defense. That's no slouch of the, on the defensive side of the things. No, not at all. And look, the line he had, he, he was seven receptions on eight targets for uh 
70 yards. It's not hitting it out of the park, but hey, that's still top 10 numbers for for a tight end. And that's that's a dart throw that a lot of people took late as a late round sleeper, uh, one of your last couple of picks. And, and look, I, I don't want to hit on him too much as far as our uh, our waiver wire additions, but he's only owned in 45% of Yahoo leagues. So you can go ahead and still pick him out. But if you're listening to our show, hey, we told you last week to get this guy. So you should have been a week early on him. So I, I just think that's something that's going to continue. And, and John Gruden came out and gave him more praise today, you know, after leading the, the team and, and targets. And he said, look, he, he's an extraordinary talent. And he's going to continue to lead this team all season long. Darren Waller, just just leading a leading a week of what was pretty insane of tight ends. I feel like it was, it was a crazy week for tight ends all over the place. Now on to some other news, um, probably the biggest news of the week. Tyreek Hill is going to miss some time with the broken collarbone. Um, just not what you want to see for week one. I think that's all of our biggest fears in fantasy football is to draft a guy at the end of the first, maybe early second round for Tyreek Hill most of the time. And, you know, he's going to miss some time immediately out the gate. So Tyreek Hill is out, and that's paving the way for Sammy Watkins. You guys know I had him as wide receiver 23 heading into the year, which was a little bold. I did not predict a Tyreek Hill injury, so I'm, I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much here. But Sammy Watkins looked awesome. I, I mean, we saw it on the, the first touchdown of the of the entire Sunday slate of games. Uh, I had every game on, and I saw that one first. Caught that touchdown pass, and he made two defenders miss. Scott, Sammy looked awesome, and you got to love what we saw out of him, right? Because – healthy Sammy Watkins and no Tyreek Hill. I mean, is that a wide receiver one or are we getting too ahead of ourselves? Oh, absolutely not. He's got wide receiver one upside in that offense all day, especially if Tyreek is missing. Look, he had nine receptions on 11 targets, 198 yards and three touchdowns. You talked about him being, you talked about him being healthy. And I, I believe on, on some NFL stats, I think he hit the third fastest time at a speed of like over 21 miles an hour on one of his touchdown runs. So everything is looking good for him, just pointing up. And, and we hit on it in, in some of our shows, just talking about the upside he had in that offense and how he was being overlooked. So I, I just think it, it's another thing when we talk about getting pieces, getting cheap pieces of these high octane offenses are, are usually what's going to pay out and how you're going to break out. And, and you saw that with Sammy Watkins in week one and with the Tyreek Hill injury, the arrows pointing up and, and we still don't know if they're going to put him on short term IR. I think they're they're kind of looking at the shoulder and they're going to give him a, a week to try to figure things out and see if he's going to need surgery or not. But if you're a Sammy Watkins owner, hey, you're happy right now. I mean, it was just, do you think, I mean, do you think this is something that, I mean, I know we're, I know we're looking ahead, um, you know, of ourselves a little bit right here, but I mean, look, broken collarbone for Tyreek Hill. I mean, we've seen Aaron Rodgers come back from the injury. We've seen um, Tony Romo come back for the injury, come back from this injury relatively quick. So if Hill's out for six games and he comes back, let's say week eight, do you think Watkins can coexist with Hill and they can both be top 20 guys? Absolutely. I think especially if Sammy Watkins is getting the, like the 11, the double digit targets he had this week, um, I, I think just consistently in that offense. Look, you, you talk about it, but that offense looked like it didn't miss a beat at all. I mean, you're talking you're talking about Mahomes possibly being an MVP again. He looked that good. Isn't that some shit? You know, we, we, we laughed and I argued with you guys. And look, 
I mean, I'm not taking anything away from you guys. I had Watson too. You guys had Watson one, and Watson is elite. I think I'm I'm giving him the elite tab after that Monday night performance. So it's not like it was a stretch, but man, like. It was just so funny to see Mahomes. Like, I just feel like this is who he is, and I feel like he might be or probably is most likely the best quarterback in football. Am I right? I mean, would you rather Mahomes or, like, Tom Brady right now? I mean, I know I'd rather Rodgers, but you're the Brady guy. But, like, Mahomes has got to be the best quarterback in football, right? Uh, he's definitely the the best young talent. You start talking about these guys that have been at the helm for for what the last ten years. You're talking about Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, and and the like. And and look, this is this is the guys, the new era, you know. And you start looking at some of the athleticism that they have, and it's almost like he gets bored. He's out there throwing no look passes to, <laughs> to to Travis Kelsey, costing me a touchdown because he airmailed it about twenty yards over his he's head. He's playing but, with him. He's toying yeah, with I him, mean, man. He's just out there toying. And look, Jacksonville's no slouch there at, at defense. So, I mean, for him just to do some of the things he does, he's definitely the uh, QB1 in the league right now. But I, I think I think there's a very, very small gap with Deshaun Watson and what he brings. So you mentioned kind of the new wave. Well, I think there's a running back who, if he's healthy, is probably a, like a top running back in this league. That's Dalvin Cook. The Minnesota passing offense, I did a double take at the sports book. I can confirm nor deny alcohol consumption on Sunday, so I was all over the place. But I remember at one point looking and just laughing out loud at Kirk Cousins' stat line. Eight for 10, 98 yards. I mean, you we mentioned it in the news here, Scott. All jokes aside, are you concerned? Do you think this is going to be a Minnesota team who's going to run, 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 and it's going to cap? Not only Kirk Cousins, but Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, who I know me and you probably have a lot of. And, I mean, those two wide receivers were going in the top 40 most of the time. Yeah, it definitely causes some concern. But, look, don't go pushing the panic button just yet. I I think they got up early on Atlanta. Atlanta looked like dog shit for most of that game. So it's not something to, to hit the panic button just yet. But it should be blinking in bright neon lights saying, look at this, and, and we'll see what happens here against Green Bay in week two. But I think ultimately, just look, 10, 10, 10 passing attempts is going to be an outlier game that I think you can kind of toss out. Uh, I know they were kind of nursing stuff on Diggs and his hamstring a little bit, so they weren't really forcing things in. And they couldn't stop Dalvin Cook, so... It was a Dalvin Cook coming out party, a breakout game, showing that he's fully healthy and ready to be one of the top five backs in this league. Um, I've been hitting that button in multiple drafts, getting as much Dalvin Cook as I could in that second round, and it was good to see that pay off in week one. Something that really stuck out to me, you just said, don't hit the panic button. So while we're here, Scott, I'd like to talk about it. Can, can you emphasize to everybody how – it's really important to not hit the panic button after week one because, look, we I think we saw it with Drew Brees. He's a little rusty. We saw it with Jared Goff. There's a lot of these guys who did not play much in the preseason. So is it kind of important to kind of throw week one out of the window, in your opinion, when it comes to guys who have, you know, good backgrounds and have usually been, been really good, right? Like it's just kind of let's see what they can do from here on because week one should not be taken that seriously. Yeah, look, it, 
especially the way preseason's going and you see so many teams not getting their starters reps, you're going to have some teams come out and be rusty. You're going to have some game plans that come out and, and fail. And look, you don't want to make any rash decisions off of a one game sample. I mean, you look at these players that, that have significant history of, of performing. We're talking about guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And, and while the narrative been, has been all off season, particularly for Minnesota, that they, they want to go ahead and run the ball, they're going to run the ball. But the NFL is a passing league. When you get behind, you can't just run, 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 and run. So I would be highly surprised if you saw any more games where they're going to have 10 passing attempts. But even on, on other players, look, unless there's a major injury, I don't think you need to be making any any huge roster moves in after week one of any of the guys that you drafted probably in rounds one through seven or eight, say. So just because a guy had a poor game in week one, don't go just hitting that panic button and, and dropping them. So, you know, I, I just think hold tight. We'll, we'll get to, to some of these waiver wire moves and, and break down some of these guys here shortly. But, but look, don't hit that panic button and start. Look, you definitely don't want to start 0-2, but week three is the, the real week when you can kind of start seeing some trends and, and paying attention how things are going to turn up. All right, so mentioning 0-1, well, I'm 0-1 in a lot of leagues where I shouldn't be 0-1 because my quarterback sucked it up, and if you guys guessed it, that'd be Jameis Winston. Uh, I was resident Jameis Winston guy. I was basically validated for reasons why not to have Jameis Winston. So I'm going <laughs> to so ask you, Scott. Um, I, I think I, I'm, not, I'm not fully ejecting Jameis Winston. I mean, it's one game. I mean, we've seen him put up quarterback one numbers and still be a turnover machine. So obviously, I mean, I guess the concern isn't, you know, that out of the out of the kind of blowing it up, but I mean, I guess there's got to be some concern, right? I mean, are you just is it just what do you think it is at this point? You think it's just concern that he'll just never change? My big concern is just the decision making process that you see him consistently make bad decisions. I mean, he's making some what the fuck throws out there like you just you have no excuse, no understanding as to what he's looking at and why he's making some of the throws that he's making. So that's the concern. They don't really have anybody that can really push Jameis. I think they're kind of all, all in on Jameis right now. Um, I, I think they would have to go ahead and, and maybe make a trade for somebody else. Brian Griffin, baby. Yeah, I mean, that's the Tulane product. Well, good for the Saints when he was with the Saints. And, and I'd love to see him get some playing time, but not at the expense of, of James Winston, especially with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and O.J. Howard. Now, he did have two touchdowns that were called back on uh, that Cameron Brait. Both of them were for holding on the right tackle. So that's one thing to go ahead and look at. The box score is not necessarily going to show. But, but look, they, they got to get it in. I, I think if you're not seeing any improvement this week, it, it may be time to go ahead and, and cut bait on, on Jameis and, and go to the waiver wire and start hitting some of these streaming options, especially when you see a guy like Matt Stafford putting up top five QB numbers in week one. Do you think Jameis is droppable? Because I don't think he's droppable. I think you got to give him at least a week or two. No, not at this point. I, I don't think I'd really start looking at dropping him. Look, if, if he shits the bed like he did in week one here in week two, I would definitely consider it. But, but I think you got to give him till week three to start hitting some of these bye weeks to see. I agree. I, I think things to keep in mind, guys. I mean, I, I got screwed by Winston. I'm also the high guy in Winston. So I guess take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But, I mean, look, it was one week. I mean, we all expect Godwin and Evans to be fantastic. We like O.J. Howard. So, 
I think with that success comes success from Jameis Winston, uh, or at least whoever's playing the quarterback position. And right now that's Jameis. So, um, you know, it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. And look, uh, you know, the good thing about Jameis and the reason why I liked him so much is that you got Jameis most of the time as your backup quarterback. So if you have a lot of pairings, you can start guys over him. So that's kind of something to look forward to. Um, our next news item, I'm watching the replay right now on NFL Network. Marlon Mack. Scott, we dropped him down far. I don't have Marlon in any leagues. I stayed away from him. Man, he looked, he looked, he honestly looked fucking terrific. Yeah, that, that game was uh, quite surprising to me, but I know the Chargers defense is dealing with some injuries and whatnot. But look, Marlon Mack's a guy that has that ability ability to go ahead and break off some of the long runs like he did in that game but he's also a guy that can struggle getting the rhythm in and have some 45 yard rushing games but you know if you have Marlon Mack that's part of the upside um my reaction was dropping him down because of because of luck but hey you you, you saw what he can do and and both of the guys that we kind of like teeter-tottered on and you throw Derrick Henry in the mix, I was a little bit lower on Mac. You were lower on Henry, and both of them looked good and broke out here in week one. So, Yep, we got to bring up Derrick Henry, I guess, since if you listen to this podcast, you know I hate Derrick Henry. Um, I mean, 75-yard passing touchdown, so are we going to crown him king yet? No, he's not getting crowned king yet. I mean, even with that... <laughs> Even with that, I, look, I, I had him as my, I think my running back 27 here in week one. So even though I was higher on him than you during the preseason and, and draft process, uh, there's no no victory that I can claim on on him producing the way he did here in week one. Let's move on. Um, Texans running backs, uh, Carlos Hyde. Ha ha ha. I like Carlos Hyde, but I mean whatever. But. I don't really think the outlook for Hyde is that great anymore, really, in Houston. He looked good last night. He did a get-out snap by Duke Johnson, who we all moved up into that running back two range. Um, you know, we were impressed with Duke pretty much heading into this season with the Texans. Um, you know, from, from I guess, from the viewer perspective, Scott, you see a lot of Carlos Hyde last night. I think he had some big runs, so it kind of like your mind goes to Carlos Hyde. But what are you thinking about Duke? Do you think um, people need to just – Remain calm on Duke because I'm sure a lot of people drafted him as that running back three or four if they drafted earlier and they might be thinking let's bench him. But are you kind of did, did you kind of were you encouraged were you discouraged w- w- what do you think the key thing is with Duke Johnson? Look, generally last week on, on Fantasy Pros his average ranking was at running back 26. He, he finished as a running back 22 on a week, so I, I don't think there's any reason to hit the panic button. You also have to, to factor in that Duke Johnson's only been there a couple of weeks. I mean, he got traded not that long ago from Cleveland to Houston, so him getting completely comfortable and the coaches getting comfortable with what he can do you know, in and out of the offense. He also had a, a little bit of a hamstring injury during the offseason as well. It caused him to miss some time and, and kind of heal up. I have no problems with what he did and the way he was used last night. Um, you, you start looking at it, nine carries, 57 yards, four receptions for 33 yards. It's it, it's good production. I, I think he'll he'll get used a little bit more. But but Carlos Hyde had three three rushes of, of ten or more yards in that game. So I, I think the usage is going to be right. I was surprised that they used Carlos Hyde quite as much as on the early down work. Um, that definitely took a, a little bit out of uh, Duke Johnson's uh, repertoire. But but look, thirteen touches for for Duke Johnson. 
I'm happy with that. I think that's going to put him as a as a middling running back two on the year if he continues up with that type of production and that type of touch output. Uh, keep in mind um, that the Saints were without without not only Sheldon Rankins but David Onyemata. He was out uh, due to a one game suspension for marijuana. So I mean, look, the Saints were starting no names at defensive tackle. So I think maybe the, maybe the Texans kind of just saw an, a, a, a chance to kind of gash on the run game, and they did so. So we can pump the brakes there and Carlos Hyde a little bit. Um, you know, that's kind of it for news. I just want to take a second. Just to really emphasize, Scott, that we kind of, you know, there's a lot we kind of hit on. There was also a lot, you know, that were disappointing. Jameis Winston, we were kind of hyping up, at least I was. T.Y. Hilton, we shit on, and he did good. Marlon Mack, we kind of crapped on, he did good. Um, But look, Darren Waller, you were the T.J. Hawkinson guy. Um, Lamar Jackson, we called out. I mean, just a lot of moves that really paid off, so... um, was there anything that you were kind of surprised with this week that um, whether you thought he was going to do good, but then you kind of didn't think he did good, but he did good or, you know, what from this week that you thought was going to happen that didn't happen that kind of surprised you? Yeah, for me, it was Matt Breda. And I think when, uh, you know, we both talked about him, we we're both like super high on him and, and some of the drafts we we're in, we're actually fighting over him, probably taking him around or two earlier and what he needed to go. But I think when you look at week one and you look at that box score, you're not going to see anything that, that makes you real happy about Matt Breda. But if you didn't watch that game, earlier in the game, he, he had missed some time. They were evaluating him for a concussion. And then later on in the game, he also missed some time, had to go to, to the locker room and, and, and go ahead and get an IV. So, so he was dealing with some cramps. But the big news with Tevin Coleman being injured, high ankle sprain, he's at least going to miss two weeks, they said. Could be more of those high ankle sprains tend to linger a little bit longer um so look i'm still all systems go on on matt brady he's going to be in the lineup at a minimum as a flex play on on almost all of my rosters that i have him on in some positions i could even see him being a a running back too so you know just because he didn't do well in week one look he's in a, a spot to go ahead and get the volume and get the opportunity and touches that he needs to perform so don't go benching him just just because he he had a bad week one. I think you need to stay on him here in, in week two. Do you think it's just uh, you know talk about um, really looking into these guys because I think a lot of people are going to box score read. They're going to look at Braden and they're going to say he was really bad and let's get rid of him. So how important is it to really try to check out all these games and really just you know pump the brakes a little bit and keep yourself from making some pretty crazy moves. Look, it's real easy to look at, at a, a player and just say, oh, well, he didn't have a good game. But you need to start looking into to snap count sometimes. I know we kind of joke about it in the offseason, but whenever you have beat reporters saying one thing and then you have coaches saying one thing and then week one, it, you know, it, it comes true or doesn't come true. Look and investigate a little bit further as to why it did or did not come true. Did the player not get the snaps? You know, if we we continue talking about San Francisco, you know, Dante Pettis is a guy that we didn't know what to think all all offseason. You know, he's up, he's down. You know, where is he at? Look, he didn't get hardly any playing time. I think he got like two snaps. So when you start looking at that, like, yeah. Like, Dante Pettis doesn't have a role in this offense right now, at least not as far as, like, week one went. So he's definitely... A guy that you have to start looking at, but when you when you have these these situations, 
do more investigating. And that's some of the things that we're going to try to bring to you and, and, and give you the why behind what's happening. And that way you can make an informed decision with your rosters and not just look at a box score as, as far as trying to figure out what's going on. All right, perfect segue, Scott. You mentioned keeping keeping an eye on players so that you can pick up other players, drop certain players. So look, let's go into our waiver wire kind of discussion here. Um, we're going to hit on a lot of different guys, um, so stay with us. So let's start off with Jamison Crowder, Scott. Um, Jamison Crowder basically did what we expected him to do last season. I feel like he was the big hype guy last year. Like We expected him to be this PPR machine, and he really wasn't. But he gets 17 targets on Sunday. He he basically looked like Sam Darnold's guy. Um, you know, what do you think about Jameson Crowder? I mean, I, I know Demarius Thomas just got traded for. And uh, like it or not, Scott, if you set, if you spend a sixth-round pick, you're probably going to use that guy. So wh- what are you thinking about Jameson Crowder? What are your thoughts there? Because he got the 17 targets. Le'Veon got nine targets. I mean, that's 26 targets for those two guys right there who basically run the same routes. So what are you thinking about Jamison Crowder? Look, I, I think Jamison Crowder and, and Sam Darnold definitely have a chemistry there. And and I don't think you can depend on 17 targets week in and week out, but I think it's definitely clear that the headline they had in the offseason that Jamison Crowder could catch 100 balls within the system, I think that's going to go ahead and come true. When we previewed the game, you asked me how I felt about Robbie Anderson, and I kind of deflected back to Jamison Crowder because I just feel like he fits this offense a, a lot more. I think Darnold, where he finds success, is in that, that medium passing game rather than going deep to Robbie Anderson. And while Robbie Anderson's routes have definitely developed and they're using him more, you saw week one the connection that Jamison Crowder and Darnold have. So I would expect that to continue i think he's going to be the person that that hogs all the targets there in that offense and and if he's on the waiver wire i'm, I'm looking at it right now in yahoo leagues he's 47 percent owned so there's basically a 50 50 chance that you can go ahead and get him probably as your wide receiver five or six what you're looking for that late he may not have the upside of, of some of the other guys but look you're looking for opportunity and i think that opportunity is going to remain all season long speaking of robbie anderson were you uh were you intrigued at how all those targets went around? Because, I mean, Anderson still got seven targets. I mean, was it kind of shocking to see a lot of these receivers look like they could have been viable fantasy options? Look, uh, the thing with Robbie Anderson, and I hit on it a little bit when we talked about him, it's just a guessing game with, with him. He's going to have a lot of volatile weeks where you look at it, seven targets, three receptions, 23 yards this week, and, and that's the games that I, I don't want to have to sit here and guess. Next week could very well go off for like four catches, 136 yards with two deep touchdowns. You just never know. you know. So he's kind of a guy I try to stay away from because I just don't like the volatility of having to guess which weeks he's going to go off, which matchups he's going to be able to take advantage of. So it, it is interesting that you have so many guys with an offense that can can go ahead and, and get target volume. But for this particular situation and scenario, I'm much higher on Jamison Crowder and his ability to maintain that volume. So let's go into, you know, we're talking about volume, we're talking about receivers. Let's go into this rookie receiver slash young receiver group of guys who should be available on waivers. Marquise Brown for the Baltimore Ravens, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin. Um, those guys, we'll talk about those three first. They really showed out. Um, you know, we saw the Marquise Brown touchdowns. Uh, we saw A.J. Brown kind of shock people. And then Terry McLaurin, who shot out, shot out Kilby, uh, really touched on him in training camp, who was intrigued by him. 
Um, Scott, out of these three guys, who were you most impressed with and why? Look, I think whenever I look at that Ravens game, we talked about Lamar Jackson. That was just uninspiring football. It's a, it's a team there in Miami that just does not care and is, is already quit. So when you look at the Marquise Brown stat line in particular, you're talking about four catches on five targets, 147 yards, and, and two touchdowns. Look, he showed... The, the the deep speed. I mean, it, he's ad, as advertised. He's injured and banged up, so he, he's kind of come along slowly. But the concerning part of, of Marquise Brown's play in Week One was twelve snaps. There you that's go. I was making sure you got it. I was yeah. making sure you got I mean, it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what he got. So my mind is incredible. Yeah. So you're gonna have look. The snap count's gonna come up, but you're gonna see a lot of people rushing out to the waiver wire to get Marquise Brown this week, and I just don't think that that stat line is going to be there next week. I mean, you look at the two deep plays, they're both on, on blown coverage. Look, granted, one of them, he just ran flat, you know, flat out by the guy on on, on a deep route, and the other one was a, a slant with a, a broken tackle or a missed tackle, however you want to call it, and, and that one taken to the house. So, uh, for me, the snap count is what's worrisome. Um, I, I, look, Public service announcement, if you have backups this year, you probably want to go ahead and stick them in against Miami. I mean, this is just one of the worst rosters that I've seen. So, look, don't go ahead and don't jump the gun on Marquise Brown off a one-game sample size. I think you need to to wait till week two. We we talk about A.J. Brown now with, with the Titans, and I, I think uh, that's the other guy to kind of hit on because Corey Davis put up the goose egg. And I talked about being a little bit higher on Corey Davis because I thought that was the cheapest person that you could really get at the wide receiver position that was going to see about 125 targets. And for him basically to be minimally involved and give you a zero, even though he's probably not in a lot of lineups, but AJ Brown went three for four with a hundred yards, looked great, breaking tackles, looked very physical out there, 220 pounds. But even with AJ Brown, he only played 42.6% of the snaps. He finishes a wide receiver 39 on the week. But he's a guy that's 4% owned right now in league. So, you know, he's another guy I'm a little bit cautious about, but I did see some good things. So there, there may be some people out there that, that you can go ahead and drop. Um, He's not a rookie wide receiver, but I want to talk about him. DJ Chark, um, we saw kind of a connection with um, him and Gardner Mishu. Um, D.D. Westbrook kind of got that late touchdown, so he looked salvageable uh, in week one. But D.J. Chark, what is his interest uh, for you? Because he's on a lot of waivers, and I, I personally think it's an, an intriguing option just because it seems like him and, uh, him and uh, Minshew have a connection. I'm not really interested in Chark, and the reason why is because of Gardner Minshew. Um, look, week one, they're, they're basically playing catch-up the whole game with Kansas City. So Minshew did look good. He looked competent, a lot better than what I would expect out of a, a rookie quarterback coming in and relief to to go ahead and do. And, and look, he, he's probably going to be the guy. They did trade for uh, Josh Dobbs there in Pittsburgh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I just don't think I, I, I don't think that Chark is going to continue to see, you know, that type. I mean, you're talking 146 yards on only four four catches. That's 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 some high efficiency uh, output there that I, I just don't think is sustainable. I think DJ Park DJ Chark will be a big part of this offense. But look, I, I'm higher, you know, on on 
on D.D. Westbrook in, in this offense. I think he's going to continue to be the guy. Um, so going forward, I, I just I don't have high expectations for D.J. Chark. Were you impressed with uh, Terry McLaurin? Because he kind of looked to me like Case Keenum and him have a built-in connection. Not that we, we expect Keenum to stay the quarterback for much longer, but, I mean, you have to be impressed with what we saw out of McLaurin, right? I, I think he should be at the top of waiver wires just because – there's really not much else to compete with outside of Trey Quinn, who I think has his role cemented no matter what. Yeah, I think of the rookie uh, wide receivers that you saw break out this week, I think Terry McLaurin is going to be my top target here on the waiver wire uh, at wide receiver. He had, he had seven targets, five receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. He actually got deep and, and beat the, the secondary again for what could have been another 70-yard uh, touchdown. Oh, he missed him. Yeah, you're yeah, right. And, and, yeah. and he missed him. So it could have been an even bigger day. You're talking almost a 200-yard, two-touchdown type of day. But the interesting part of it is that he, he played 93% of the snaps there. So you start looking back and you start thinking about some things that you heard in the offseason. And you kind of heard whispers from, from beat reporters that, hey, hey, Terry McLaurin's looking good, but he didn't get a whole lot of playing time there in the preseason. Then the Redskins go ahead and, and release Josh Doxon, and, and, and things start falling into place, and, and you can connect the dots, and then you see week one happen, and look, I, I think this is a, a situation that is, is you're going to continue to see. I think McLaurin's going to be the guy there. You're talking about a, a third-round draft capital that they went ahead and did. The, the tough part with the evaluation from McLaurin and it's the same thing with a lot of Ohio State wide receivers he only had a 17.7% college dominator rating which is 17th percentile very low but when you look at his workout metrics he had a 126.2 spark score that's 95th percent percentile athlete there at his wide receiver position six foot 210 pounds you saw what he did he got deep Runs a four three five. Look, he had a, he had a great contested catch there, and where he went up and had an acrobatic catch against one of the defensive backs in Philadelphia. Look, I, I think McLaurin is a guy that you have to bet on. I think he's going to be my my top waiver ad here. And as far as wide receivers go, I think it's kind of one A one B situation with him and Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is forty seven percent owned, but Terry McLaurin right now out there in leagues six percent owned. So he's basically going to be there in every league that you go ahead and, and, and play. And if he's not, then it's probably because you have a, a sharp owner there that, that already saw that coming. So let's go to running backs where I feel like it's it's a sick joke that Darius guys cannot stay healthy. So he's getting looked at for a meniscus injury. Uh, all they're really saying is a few weeks at this point. So Chris Thompson and Adrian Peterson are back on the market in fantasy leagues. Um, Adrian Peterson basically uh, – uh, J- Gruden, Jake Gruden made one of the, the most disrespectful comments I think I've ever, like, most savage-ass shit I've ever seen out of a head coach. I think he, he he literally said on record, like, you know, about Adrian Peterson, yeah, I'll call him if we're running, like, a wing tee or something. Like, it was just disrespectful as shit. So I don't think Adrian Peterson is getting much love from that coaching staff out there. You know, what do you really have to say about um, what's going on in Washington? Do, do you have to make that jump for AP or Chris Thompson? Look, there, there's not much as far as running back out there on the waiver wire right now. We kind of touched on Carlos Hyde earlier, but he's not really getting any, any any play in the passing game. I think Chris Thompson is the top running back for me there in, in 
on this waiver wire, especially if you're in PPR league. So he had 10 targets, ended up with seven receptions for 68 yards, added in another 10 yards rushing on three carries, but he played 62% of the snaps. Jay Gruden obviously has Adrian Peterson in, in, in his doghouse. A lot of the players, the veteran players there in Washington, were a little bit pissed off about it. But you look back at, at, at 2017, and Chris Thompson was on quite a tear while he was healthy. He's always produced when healthy. So I think he's just one of those guys that is a great flex play, and you just ride him as long as you can until he breaks down and gets hurt. 2017 averaged 15.1 points per game in PPR leagues, and look, that's sitting out there on, on most waiver wires. I, I saw him sitting out on a waiver wire in a league that we played in, and I hurry up and went and snagged him because I needed a little bit running back depth on, on my team, and I'm happy I did a week early. So what do you, what do you think? I mean, if assuming Geis is out, PPR league is Chris Thompson probably gonna be a what is he a top thirty five running back, top thirty six in that running back three range? Yeah, I definitely think that he's in that that running back three slash flex play. I, I think you can you can expect eleven to twelve points per game out of him um, within that offense. If he starts clicking and he can stay healthy, I think it's it's not outside the range of outcomes for him to go ahead and reproduce his 2017 season where he was averaging 15 points per game. I think that's that's probably his ceiling and his upside. He did have some uh, some long breakout plays that year. But, but look, I, I think this offense and the way it's going to go ahead and function, I, I think Chris Thompson's the safest play there in that backfield. Let's go to um, John Ross out in Cincinnati. He almost ruined... A lot of people's bets. He almost ruined my bet. He almost ru- ruined Survivor League. John Ross just went ape shit. I'm happy to say that I lost a game in which a really crappy team in a dynasty league started John Ross because he sucks. So John Ross put up a cool 40 against me in a 12-team league, so that was fantastic. But John Ross just went insane, Scott Smith. Scott, here's the thing, though. This is what intrigues me about John Ross. You know, we saw a lot of crap hit the fan in in year one last year we saw some injury issues we saw quarterback issues there's a lot of well-respected people in the industry who are saying this could be a legit breakout from someone who really hasn't gotten his his proper shot yet so what side what, what side of the field are you on do you think this could be a breakout you think this could be finally the coming of john ross or do you think it's just a product of no aj green and just a bad seattle secondary the thing is, is John Ross could legitimately have a breakout. The problem that I see, you have a new coaching staff, so they're taking that offense out of the Stone Ages. Andy Dalton looked pretty good in it there in, in week one. I just think his ceiling is going to be capped by when A.J. Green comes back. I just don't think there's going to be enough targets to go around for both A.J. Green Tyler Boyd and John Ross on, on top of it. So when, whenever AJ Green comes back, the person that I would expect to get uh, the drop off here would be uh, John Ross. So he's not a guy that I'm going to invest in, but I, I think he's worth just keeping an eye on. If if you're hurting at, at wide receiver, like I said, I think Terry McLaurin's uh, my my preference there this week. But I definitely think John Ross is interesting. Right now, look, he finished week one as the wide receiver three. He's only 13% owned. He's got the draft capital there. He's got the speed. He, he had solid production there at Washington while he was in college. So 
he's he's got some interest. He's, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Mike Wallace, who's his most comparable player over on Player Profiler. I think he's he could be that type of player. It's just, is that upside going to be capped by A.J. Green coming back? Or what happens when the Bengals trade A.J. Green for assets? I'd, I'd Boom! See that happen. <laughs> you, you've got some crystal ball you're looking into. And maybe it's the alcohol <laughs> talking this weekend. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're, we're good on that sense. Um, let's talk about TJ Hawkinson. Um, uh, I think you mentioned around 55% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, so there's a lot of leagues where TJ is still available. I got him in the last round of some drafts. I'm the Chris Herndon guy. So, you know, my thing was if I couldn't get one of those tight ends, I would jump all over Hawkinson and play him till Herndon comes back. And it's kind of looking like fuck Chris Herndon at this point because TJ Hawkinson, man, I think Scott, you know, you deserve the credit on this. I asked you directly, what about that tight end rookie stigma? And you said kind of, well, basically screw it because the guy looks really, really athletically sound and the coaching staff loves him. And look, you hit the nail on the head. Scott, I'm being honest here. I can't remember in my lifetime that phenomenal of a performance from a rookie tight end. So I'm going to let you take this away. Um, just you don't have to gloat, but just talk and tell people about just how good TJ Hawkinson should be and can be. Look, I've been all over Hawkinson and dynasty leagues. Uh, you know, we talked about bold predictions. I, I predicted that he would be basically be a, a top five tight end, even as a rookie. And he came out and looked like everything he's been billed to be. So you, you heard through the draft process through the combine, you go look at the tape, and even on tape, he just looks like a different prospect there at tight end. So beat reporters, everybody in Detroit loved him. When, when you start looking and piecing together all the information, he had the production, he had the athletic profile, good draft process, you know, good pedigree coming there from, from Iowa, which is basically tight end you. I, I just think all signs pointed towards TJ Hawkinson being a significant part and having a significant role within this Detroit offense. A lot of people were, were worried about, hey, well, Eric Ebron didn't produce there with, with Matt Stafford, but it's a different player, a different coaching staff. Uh, I, I just think there with Matt Patricia coming from, from New England, I, I think he, even though he doesn't call the offensive plays, values tight end production like you saw with, with Gronk. And I, I just think that's what he's trying to replicate there with TJ Hawkinson. And and by all means, look, it's only a one-game sample, so let's not get too excited here. But, look, everything that you've seen, everything that you've heard matches up. So for that reason, I'm all systems go on TJ Hawkinson if, if I, I'm not an advocate of, of carrying two tight ends in a lot of leagues, but if he's out there on your waiver wire and you still have a, a guy like a Evan Ingram or OJ Howard, Hunter Henry, some of these other guys, I think he's going to be in the mix with those right there. So I would definitely go ahead and pick him up before somebody whose tight end needy team has, and maybe take your pick, you know, wait a couple weeks, wait till week two, week three, when some of these bye weeks, uh, Start hitting it, and you've, you've, you're going to have some some trade bait there if you want to go ahead and, and, and cut one of these guys loose and improve your team. So um, just for people listening, I think this is actually a really cool thing that we should do, uh, Scott. So um, most fab leagues are on $100. So if TJ Hawkinson is staring you in the face on waivers, how much would you put down on him? Uh, I, I kind of – he would be my favorite waiver wire target this weekend out of everybody. 
um, assuming that he is on your waiver wire. I'm saying $20. Uh, is that too much or is that too little? Man, I, I, I actually I think I would go in a 25 More. to $30 I, range okay. depending yeah. upon what else is out there. I mean, we did talk about Darren Waller, who's 45% owned. So I don't think you necessarily have to blow your wide unless you're really like tight end needy. I think uh, he's definitely a player I'd try to make sure I got if I if I do have a tight end that was struggling or I'm not confident in the depth that I have there on my team. But but look, TJ Hawkinson, 25 to $30 range, especially here in week one. I, look, I'm comfortable with that. Um, Scott, out of everybody, we just uh, talked about who is your number one waiver wire um, addition this week. Kind of, I know, you know, bar- barring what you need, but if all of these guys are staring you in the face, who should be your number one priority? Look, I, I just look at... I look at two things, and the running back waiver wire right now is barren. I think you're you're going to see some guys like Darwin Thompson probably getting cut here, and and some of these other guys. I think Chris Thompson has to be at the top of the list, and followed following him is actually going to be Terry McLaurin for me. I think you look at the snap count, you look at the performance, you look at the athletic profile, and I, I think both of those guys are in an offense that need playmakers, that need people to touch the ball. So I think both of them are, are, are safe bets. I think McLaurin, he's going to have some some rookie woes where he's going to have some ups and downs, but you definitely saw the talent there in week one. So I would go ahead and pound the table for both of those guys. I'm going to leave Hawkinson out because he was drafted on all of my teams that, that he was basically available that I didn't go earlier tight end with with either Kittle or Kelsey but but look you're talking about guys that are they're less than 15% owned Terry McLaurin at 6% and and Chris Thompson there at 14% so those are going to be my top two targets uh Jamison Crowder has a little bit more ownership there at, at 47%, so it's kind of a 50-50 toss-up if he's available in your league, but I think that target volume is going to continue to be there. His upside and ceiling is probably a little bit more capped as far as putting up big touchdown numbers, but I think you could definitely see a possibility of him getting close to 100 catches on a year. Scott, anything else that we need to let people know of as they go into their preparations for Week 2? Look, I think an interesting thing to keep uh, keep tabs on it and pay attention to, and another name that's out there on the waiver right now now that we're, we're, we hadn't hit on is uh, Malcolm Brown. You know, five red zone touches. He had a 11 for 53 number with two touchdowns, and and he's got a clear role there in that, that LA Rams offense, and, and it was quite telling that they had specific drives set up for him where Gurley wasn't even getting the ball. And, and those five red zone touches are, are going to severely hamper Gurley's upside if that's what the role is going forward. Um, I think he's a tentative, a, he's tentatively uh, an ad this week, especially for, for Gurley owners. I think you need to go ahead and, and jump on that. We kind of talked about uh, Daryl Henderson at the end of the year and and, and how – how badly he looked making reads and from a vision standpoint running and and some of the offense and I, I think you can definitely tell right now that hey, look Brown's got a significant role within this Rams offense it'll be interesting to see how how much play in time and how many touches he gets here against the Saints in, in week two so that's something definitely to keep an eye on and I, I think uh, I would go ahead and add him if I'm a Todd Gurley owner at this point because if Todd Gurley does happen to go down I think Brown's going to be the guy that's leading that backfield. All right, so Scott, um, 
tell the people where they can find you, man. Do if they need your your words of wisdom or help in uh, in anything involving fantasy football. Yeah, look, you could reach out to me at S Smith FF on Twitter, or look, hit us hit us up, give us a follow at Four Downspot on Twitter. We're more than happy to interact on either one of those. It's kind of like hit or miss as to who you'll get. Sometimes if you hit us up on a, at Four Downspot, you'll get Andrew. Sometimes you'll you'll get me. But if you have a specific question for either one of us, just uh, hit us up on one of those two places. Specify who you're asking uh, the question to, and I'll be more than happy to answer any questions. And uh, I know Andrew, you, you do a little fantasy. Uh, info segment there on some radio so why don't you let everybody know where they can find you at on wednesdays yep wednesday mornings uh if you're in new orleans area 12 80 a.m fox sports fox sports radio and they're also live on the iheart radio app so go into the iheart radio app from anywhere in this country or outside of the country search hard in the pain with david grubb i do a 15 minute uh radio segment mornings just talking about kind of starter start sits giving some more advice um, from that angle. So look, last week I said it on the radio. I kind of shook some people up. I said, start Lamar Jackson over Aaron Rodgers. So maybe I somehow know what I'm talking about in some ranges of things, but, um, you can check me there. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew W X X V. Um, Scott, any last words of advice for these people? Look, Pay attention. We're gonna have our other uh, our next podcast coming out later in the week, and that's gonna we're gonna go through all the matchups again and give you the information that you need to know as to who to put in your lineups and why. We're gonna tell you why somebody's set to break out, why somebody's getting the snaps that they're doing, why somebody didn't put up the numbers that you expected in the box score. We're gonna continue to give you the information that you need to have a win in fantasy season. And and look, I'm happy. Happy that football is here. I had a little bit of a mixed bag here in week one. Ran up into a lot of Lamar Jackson and and Austin Eckler and Marlon Max in some leagues. So I'm looking to bounce back and and, and on my 0 and 1 teams, I'm looking to even it up at 1 and 1 and get this season two going. I'm pumped up for this Thursday night game as well. Yes, indeed. I couldn't even get words out because I just can't agree more, man. I think I think a lot of our players hit, but a lot of our Jameis Winston and other players did not. So, hey, look, it's time it's time to pick your season back up. 0-1, no big deal, guys. You can make a run at it. So, look, Tuesdays and in that Thursday range on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and many more. We'll see you guys later this week. Twisting joints like a contortionist, late in the Porsche, my father driving, things been sunny since I started rhyming, no denying me, I'm known to keep a fresh foot like podiatry, nobody hires me, green Tim's in Vegas, I'm like Steve Wynn, at the same time, fellatio from three twins, those are triplets, I've been wildin' since the rabbi snipped it, then they laughed and they brisket. Fuck. On my behalf, we had a meeting at the Neptune. Had little daddy hide the heater in the restroom. Guns drawn like my bath by my lady friend. Mesothelioma money dropped Mercedes Benz. And I ain't never left. You know I'm still here. Spit the shit to bring a cripple out the wheelchair. Bite a bitch like George Whipple in the staircase. Long as she got big nipples in a tan face. Young uh, yeah. Can't be no fool. You in the concrete right now. Devil is on the loose, no jungle room. Jungle room. Yeah. 
exiled, living like Sandusky and Paterno. I've been husky, motherfuckers couldn't touch me. Low rugby with an Asian model, so ugly. Celebration 1987, no bubbly. Facially, I'm like a young John Kennedy. More obscenity, EBT and Genovese. Go to Akin 70 for a hundred. I want the 75 for Maki Buddy fronted. Take the money, got five dimes, two chicken sandwiches, nine limes. For the Canada Drive, post for the cameras by the banners to high. In the summer, rock the vest, said salmon canine. Flex the three quarter cream fees. We summer steam G's. Steam red snapper Vietnamese. Catch a case, get a Jewish lawyer, beat it with cheese. Fuck the beef, cause it don't go together, reading and weed. It's very easy, make you disappear now, kid. Make your paper, but you need to stay grounded. Eyes wide like a chick that got the dick in the butt. We out here trying to get the money, baby, live it up. Talk about me if you please, but I must be Hercules. Hercules, 